is up, everybody, and welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, where you can get the Avalanche Amber Ale on draft, what I think is probably the Colorado uh, Amber Ale. The Avalanche Amber Ale is probably like the premier, for me, the number one beer of Colorado. Um, today's show is going to be a little bit different for TDSP, and it might be something, if people like it, it might be something we can try to come back to. You know, this is the deadest couple of weeks in the sports news cycle. The end of July before August. You've got Avalanche pretty much have their team assembled. The Nuggets got their team assembled. They went through Summer League. We're two weeks away from Broncos training camp. All we've got are Rockies. And by the way, the trade deadline here is two and a half weeks away. So the Rockies are kind of in those dog days of the season right now where something big is right around the corner or maybe not. Um, So I thought it would be a cool opportunity to walk everybody through what's going on with the major sports teams, including the Colorado Rapids, four major sports teams plus the Rapids, and just kind of catch you up on five to 10 minute conversations about what's important in their world. I thought that would be a cool way, especially for people like me that maybe need a refresher on the Broncos, need a refresher on the Avs offseason and so on and so forth. And we'll start. So later on, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to Patrick Lyons, talk Colorado Rocky, Yahir Vasquez, who does great coverage for us over on the Rapids. Uh, Ryan Konigsberg, who covers the Broncos for us, and Jesse Montano with the Avalanche. So I'm going to get some experts in each field, but I thought I would start by talking about the Denver Nuggets, who are a little bit more than halfway through their summer league, or perhaps just halfway through their summer league. But what you need to know about them in their offseason, the Nuggets lost their general manager, Tim Conley, in the offseason. A guy who is really the architect of the Nuggets came over in 2013 Uh, oversaw the team for a couple down years and then really started a long-term rebuild in 2014 that saw basically the entire roster that's been assembled today. You really saw his fingerprints all over that. When he left and went to Minnesota, the Nuggets, it it, it almost felt like, well, we've had this continuity in Denver for nine, 10 years, and now you put somebody new at the helm at the right in a moment in time when things are so pivotal for the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets had lost Jamal Murray and and Michael Porter last season. It was a bit of a wasted year. But everybody feels that the Nuggets will have as good of a chance at winning an NBA championship next year as they have had at any point over the last 15 seasons and arguably at any point in their 58-year career uh, or, or history in the NBA. So there's a great opportunity. It's a very important moment for the Nuggets to lose the architect of the team. Felt like a shaky move. Calvin Booth takes over. He was the general manager underneath Tim Conley, who was the president of basketball operations. So now Calvin Booth is the decision maker. This offseason was all about him. And what did he say he wanted to do? Bring in some defense, bring in some veterans, and really kind of hone the identity that they feel is best around their star player, Nikola Jokic, who's a reigning two-time MVP. And what did they do? Exactly that. They bring in Contavious Caldwell-Pope in a trade that sent away Will Barton and Monte Morris, two very good players who've been a staple of the Nuggets era, but who are more offense than defensive-minded players. So you lose a little bit of offense. You bring in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's a good three-point shooter, but he's kind of a one-trick pony on, on offense. He's basically a floor spacer who can knock down set shots, especially from the corners. But defensively, he's a very good defender. He'll probably be the best perimeter defender on the Nuggets roster by a fairly wide margin. And he'll slot right into that starting lineup spot at shooting guard alongside Jamal Murray in the backcourt. Really good fit. They also brought in Bruce Brown, who's sort of a weird and unique player. Another guy about six foot five, same with KCP, about six five. Uh, versatile defender, can guard one through four. 
Uh, really strong, one of the strongest players in the NBA, pound for pound, super low body fat percentage. But offensively, he has an interesting game because he's not a shooter like Kevin Contavious Caldwell-Pope is, but he's kind of everything else. Where KCP is maybe a one-trick pony, but he's really good at shooting. Uh, Bruce Brown, not so great at shooting, but he's really smart player. He's a good screener. He actually rolls really well. He handles the ball really well. I think he'll be a creator for Denver as well as a, as a finisher. He'll come off the bench, but he's a really interesting piece that I think is a pretty great fit. And then lastly, they brought in DeAndre Jordan, uh, who's kind of a veteran, maybe even a wash backup center. Not exactly the most popular move here in Denver, but uh, nonetheless, the front office is reckon, uh, is at least positioning as if he won't be a guy that plays very many minutes. He's really there to be a veteran and break in case of glass guy. You go into the draft and you get three defensive players as well. In the first round with your first pick, you get Christian Brown, who's coming off of a national championship for the Kansas Jayhawks. He's a shooting guard, six foot seven, pretty good shooter, although he hasn't shot the ball well in summer league. Pretty good shooter, and then just a lockdown defender, competitor, hyper-competitor, and known as a winner. He won three high school championships before then winning a national championship. Nuggets used him as a 21, uh, 21st pick, and the front office has indicated that they believe he will be a guy that plays regular rotation minutes at some point next year, either right off the bat or likely to earn those minutes sometime through the season and be a backup shooting guard. They also brought in Peyton Watson, who averaged just three points per game as a freshman at the University of UCLA or UCLA. He was a guy that was highly touted, the number one recruit out of California going into college, but then averaged the fewest amount of points of any player to go to NCAA and get drafted in the first round, just three points. So what is he? He's a prospect with a super high upside as an elite defender. And again, there's a theme here. Denver, Calvin Booth bringing in just defenders. Peyton Watson is a guy that whose offense is a little robust, a little rough, didn't shoot the ball well from outside, didn't shoot, finish the ball really well at the rim. So what is his offensive game? We're gonna have to wait to see, but the defensive tool, six foot eight, seven foot one wingspan, just perfect body to be an elite NBA defender. And at Summer League, he's looked like that. His defense has really popped. His offense has, has struggled, as to be expected. And then finally, Ismail Kamigate, a seven-footer out of France, a guy actually who hails from the Ivory Coast, has been playing professionally in France for the last couple seasons. Uh, seven-footer with a super high upside, very athletic, very mobile. In today's NBA, you've got to be able to block shots and guard out on the perimeter. He's a young player that looks like he could do both, but he's just so raw. He's a guy that was discovered late um, and, and hasn't been playing basketball for a lot of years. He's 22 years old, so he's a little bit older than most players uh, that get drafted. He was a second-round pick, but Denver believes that he's a guy that's on this very steep growth curve, and he'll be in Europe next season most likely, but likely joining the Nuggets in the 2023 season as this high upside prospect. So that's it. That's what Denver's up to. Those young guys have been playing in NBA Summer League out in Las Vegas, which is sort of a mini camp for rookies and second year players. They've all looked had mixed results, had some games where they've looked great, some games where they haven't looked so great. Um, but that's the Nuggets. They look like they're ready for a true title run next season, in large part because Calvin Booth has taken over and revamped the roster with a lot of defensive-minded players to put around Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and All right, now we head over to the Colorado Avalanche. Excuse me, the Stanley Cup champion Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. And to help me talk about them, we bring in Jesse Montano of DNVR Avalanche. Jesse, what's happening? Oh, not too much, man. Yeah, you know, off-season stuff. Uh, it's funny when your team goes deep, the off-season seems suddenly shorter. You know, development yeah. can't snuck snuck up on us. We got the schedule released last week. Uh, and they yeah. just stopped playing. So 
shortened off season, but all good, all good reasons. So how, I always wonder this, like how long does that championship afterglow last? Are you still basking in it? Do you still wake up kind of excited or is it kind of subsided? Well, no, dude, it's, it's still just like surreal. Like every now and then I'll catch a you know, I'll be on Twitter and catch a picture of one of them holding the cup, you know, all kinds yeah. of video montage and stuff. And it's still just like, it still hasn't even fully yeah. set in. What are we now? Three weeks later. And are you, are you in greedy mode now where you're like, okay, one is kind of cool, but like now we got to get three. Well, so I was sick for the parade. I, I <laughs> took me down for like a week and a half and I was telling everyone, I was like, oh, I'll just go next year. I'll be yeah. back next year. Yeah. I'll, go to, I'll go to the one next year in two years, whatever. So yes. I love yeah. how quickly a fan base can shift from like <laughs> feeling hopeless to like completely smug. So yeah. <laughs> we get to be the smug ones now. Right. Uh, I, I too already booked, took that day off next year for the parade. So I'm, I'm exactly. planning ahead. Uh, yeah. All right. Walk me through. So the, the abs have, it looks like we're running it back. Uh, yeah. Mostly the same guys, a couple with a couple key exceptions. Walk me through what the off season has looked like so far for the abs. No, I mean, that, that, that's basically it, man. I mean, talking about basking in the championship glow, they, they kind of took a step back and were like, cool, let's just all kind of keep basking in yeah. this all summer. Um, Look, the abs had, there was a real opportunity that they were going to end up with a very different looking roster than the one that won the Stanley really? Cup. Um, I mean, they had a lot of UFAs <laughs> and a lot of their UFAs played fantastic in the playoffs. So a lot of those guys were maybe looking at big raises right. um, and they basically just went to everyone and said, hey, look, we'll give you a small raise over what you did for us to just run it back and, and let's go try to do another one or, you know, try to bring another one home. Um, and pretty much they, they've recaptured all of their UFAs for the most part. Nazem Kadri is kind of the one outstanding. Right. Um, they let Darcy Kemper walk, and that is kind of the one big move so far. Darcy Kemper, they let him uh, leave in free agency. He wanted a little bit more than they were comfortable giving, both in terms of term and um, actual AAV. And he ended up getting 5.25 for five years in, in Washington. He'll be almost 38 when that deal is up. <laughs> yeah. Goaltender with an injury history. You can yeah. see why the Avs didn't want to go there. Uh, they get Alexander Georgiev from the New York Rangers. Um, kind real, of a quick, young... real quick, I want to go. I yeah. want to go back here to, to goaltending because did did you guys did you have a kind of a sense that that was going to be the price for Kemper or was that more than you would have expected that he was so, going to get? So I'll be honest. I thought he was going to do something shorter term. I didn't think okay. anyone out there was going to give him five years. And I thought that AAV would come in a little bit higher than it did. I thought it was going to be closer to five and a half. Okay. Um, but I seriously thought that even if he, you know, even going to a different team, you're looking at two, three years. The fact that someone out there was willing to go to five and take him so late into his thirties. Uh, again, if, if that's what him and his agent knew were out there, I can see why the abs. I mean, they had one meeting with Darcy Kemper. Yeah. They met, they met with him and his agent once and realized pretty quickly, like, yeah, this, this isn't going to be for us. And they made a move for a goaltender the next day. So I think it's important by the way, for a front office, a management team to read the tea leaves. Well, and maybe that, yeah. maybe that meeting was obvious enough, but we have seen teams go into free agency thinking, Oh, we have our guy back. Yep. get out bid and you're kind of left, you know, uh, empty handed. So the that's what happened last year, that one. Yeah. No. That, that, that's exactly what happened last year with Philip Grubauer. You know, they, right. they went into the off season. They're like, Oh, this is such a good fit. They got there and, and realized that these negotiations just weren't going to work out. He went and got paid uh, from Seattle and they kind of had to make a, not a panic move. And obviously it worked out with Darcy Kemper, but they had to go give up. Uh, you know, a, a really high end draft pick, a, a, a really high end prospect, a first round draft pick um, to go get their guy. So they, they 
that was exactly what they were trying to avoid this year was yeah. Suddenly the music stopped and you're scrambling for a chair. So they went out and got their guy from, from New York. Now, is he their guy? Is Frankie their guy? I mean, is Frankie undefeated in the playoffs, right? Right. So my guy. Yeah. Well, so I'll be honest with you. He's my guy too. I, I, (laughs) I thought we were looking at a true, 50 50 kind of split yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but no, they've already come out and said Alexander Georgiev is coming in to be the number one. Okay. Um, they the the deal they gave him, uh, you know, it's it's about a million and a half rounding off, um, higher than uh what Francois is making. So they gave him starter money. They have publicly said he's the number one. What's the hard sell here? Like, what's this? What give me the pro and con for why he's gonna work out or why he won't? Well, he's so he's a Young kid, young guy, 26, 27. Okay. Uh, and he was really looked at as kind of the next guy in New York. And then Igor Shosturkin comes in kind of out of nowhere. And, you know, he just won uh, the uh, you know, goaltender of the year. Um, so hard to argue. And suddenly uh, Georgiev just kind of found himself permanently stuck in a backup role. And he is kind of looked at as one of those next guys that can make the jump to a starter. So they're basically saying, hey, look, we trust that we can get three cheap years out of this guy. He can be a starter playing against playing behind a team as structured defensively as ours. And look like the Avs just won a Stanley Cup right. with yeah. Darcy Kemper with one eye, basically. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, so, so is this is this is something that they're probably trusting their scouting from four or five years ago 100%. as much as they're trusting whatever they saw in him this year in his limited playing time. Yep, hundred percent. And and they're just saying our our pro scouting now has like you said four or five years of finding guys like this who are going to work for us, and they're saying we think this is a worthwhile gamble. They are paying for both Georgiev and Francois. I think a million and a half more than what Darcy Kemper is making. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to have one of the cheapest tandems in the league and, and they still think they can get some high end play out of it. So um, I feel like every championship team has a Nazem Kadri on it. This sort of like a guy misfit toy almost who becomes a part of a core member, like a part of the yep. soul of the team. And he's the one piece kind of outstanding. I don't know that I would call him essential personally, although I do think he's very important as a player, but also as this character. Do you see a deal getting done for him? And if not, what would it mean for the Avs' chance of repeating? Well, so because I mean you're 100 percent right, and and the the ultimate example of that is go back now two seasons when they lose to Vegas. What's the difference between that roster and this one this year? No Nazem Kadri. Right, Kadri suspended in that right. Vegas series. The wheels kind of fall off. That top line gets shut down. They can't get you know they can't get through. He's there this year. Has a huge postseason. Comes back with a broken thumb. You know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they get over the hump. So he played a huge role. I'll be honest with you, Adam. The longer that he sits there as a UFA, his, his options have kind of shrunk beneath him. And, mm, I, and I don't really I know if him and his agent saw the market shaking out this way. Um, there were a lot of teams who kind of just said, we're not going to wait around kind of what the Avs did in net. We're not going to wait around and risk being, you know, the last one at the dance. Um, so they went out and kind of made some decisions. A lot of teams made some moves and now it's looking, the abs are looking like maybe the most attractive destination for him. Um, so, so, you know, that'd be huge for them to get him back. But um, honestly, with the moves that they made, bringing back as many of the guys they did, even if Nazem Kadri doesn't come back, I still think this team has a shot to the West got worse. Sure. 
A sure. lot of teams out West took a step back this off season. I'm going to interrupt you because as much as yeah. I agree with you, the two best moments of this playoff run, in my opinion, the hat trick in St. Louis, yep. against oh, yeah. all the pressure. Yep. And then the, the game winner in OT, which is also another cadre moment. Like I, there are value, like what is he an aggregate? And then there are, is this a guy that just seems to step up in the big moments? And like, to yeah. me, that's what this guy was. That, that hat trick to me, especially when he called it out beforehand, just kind of yeah. said, Hey, we're counting here. Just keep count. <laughs> to me, that's just like, you've got to have one of those guys. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. And like I said, you, you can see the difference in the last two years. And I think that's part of the reason why the abs didn't do what a lot of other teams did and just went out and found their solution and said, well, thanks, you know, right. thanks for bringing us the cup. I think they understand exactly what you're saying. Like, it's not a coincidence that, like you said, arguably the two biggest moments of this run both come off the stick of Nazem Kadri. The year before, we can't get it done without him. Um, I think they'd like to bring him back. And, and I think he's at a point now where he realizes this is my best chance to win another one. And, and you know, he's still going to get paid. He's still going to get some yeah. money. But I, I do think the market shook out a little bit different for him. And, and to answer your question, whether it's Nazem Kadri or another guy, you do need a guy like that. Right. You, you, you need a guy like that who, who isn't Nathan McKinnon. He's not Kale McCarr. And that's why he's so effective is because right. he's not the guy that everybody is looking at every single night. You need a guy like that. Yep. No, no question about it. Well, we're two weeks away from the, the baseball trade deadline. We're two weeks away from Broncos training camp. If the ads can accomplish getting Kadri back and maybe even getting an extension here from McKinnon before we get, we turn our attention over to Broncos. I think that would be a great way to kind of end this deep off season of sports. Jesse, thanks so yeah. much for hopping on with me, man. Dude, no, I appreciate it. Anytime you need always, uh, always love chatting with you. That's Jesse Montano from DMVR Avalanche. You can catch the DMVR Avalanche podcast, of course, five days a week. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to check uh, to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action from baseball, golf, one of the most fun sports to bet on, MMA, another one of the most fun sports to bet on, and more. Plus, you got same-game parlay so you can get spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also want to tell you guys about Avaca TV. Haven't been able to watch the Nuggets, Avs, and Rapids games this season? Now you can watch all of that, all the Colorado teams you love with Avaca. Avaca is a totally new approach to TV programming delivery that is less expensive, easy to watch, and offers a superior picture. Service includes local networks like Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet, and other national channels. Plus, you get the very our very own DNVR channel there, so you can watch all of our post-game shows, live podcasts, and everything else we're doing right there on Avaca TV with the, the DNVR channel. Uh, go to avaca.tv slash dnvr. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash dnvr. I bet everybody could have this memorized. You guys can tweet at me. Tell me, yeah, I got it memorized. Evaca.tv slash dnvr. Use promo code dnvr. You get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month for the first three months plus the receiver. No contracts, no hidden fees. Avaca TV, that's where it's at.
Broncos are a couple of weeks away from training camp and really the last couple of weeks of their offseason to help preview what's going to go on in preseason. We got from the NBR Broncos, none other than RK. RK, what's happening, dude? What's going on, man? Happy Friday. <laughs> Happy Friday, indeed. So the Broncos, this is the calm before the storm. This is probably the deadest two weeks of sports. Um, but it like begins with a firework uh, here in two weeks as the Broncos head to training camp, maybe the most exciting part of the calendar year for sports. What is, in your opinion, like the top storylines heading into to training camp here in a couple weeks? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's a couple things. Like, obviously, you have the position battles. Uh, maybe the most important one being right tackle. Uh, Billy Turner over there, probably the favorite. Calvin Anderson, though, is someone that every coaching staff that he plays for seems to love. Um, so he's going to get a shot. Um, we also really want to see what happens at the guard positions. You know, Quinn Miners comes in last year and is awesome. And then you go and you go to minicamp and they're rotating him out with Natani Muti and they really want to get him in there. And from everything we've heard, they really love Natani Muti and the way that he blocks in this scheme. So is he going to be able to unseat, a, a, you know, a, a second year player who had such a promising rookie season? That's going to be really interesting to follow. And then the one that I'm going to watch is what are they doing with these receivers? Um, we expect, you know, that at some point in camp, they're going to all be healthy. And, and it seems like they are going to be heading into camp. Um, I want to know, you know, where are they lining up Jerry Judy? Are they using mm -hmm. him in the slot or do they want to use him as, you know, a, an X receiver on certain plays and Cortland Sutton, you know, would, would you expect him to be the number one, but are they going to mix these guys up or do they kind of want to like put them into roles? And then the other one is KJ Hamler, who we probably won't see this in training camp, but I'm so fascinated to know what their plans are for him because I keep saying like, you can't count on him. So you, if you're building things in your offense and you're saying, this is the KJ Hamler part of our offense, I think that's a dangerous thing to do because he's hurt so often. So I personally think that what they should do is have a KJ Hamler package. Now we'd have to be paying really close attention to be able to notice if they were practicing the KJ Hamler pa uh, package at training camp. But those are a few of the things that I'm paying attention to. And then I'm just excited to see the crowds out there. Like it's yeah. just dwindled and dwindled and dwindled over the last few years. And obviously now you get Russell Wilson. So there's going to be thousands of people out there burning up on the hill. Is KJ Hamler healthy? Like going into camp, is he fully cleared? He is. He is. Or, or as far as we know. How the hell does this stuff happen in football? I feel like these injuries for basketball are two-year injuries. For football, it's like a couple weeks. You know, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I was thinking about that with Jamal Murray the other day when they said, like, he's going to be on a minutes restriction. And I'm going to be like, there will be tangible impact on three seasons. Yeah. One yeah. injury. That is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. In football, I know, like, it's a different movement. You know, it's more start and stop or whatever. But it just seems like those guys bounce back from similar injuries so much quicker, ridiculously quicker. Also, softer I surface. Could help. <laughs> Maybe that's it. The softer surface. Um, I love KJ Hamler. I, I think he's like a player. I get what you're saying about the injury thing, and it is fair. Like he has been hurt. He's little. You kind of expect him to always get hurt. But I kind of feel like he's a sneaky great player. Maybe this injury zapped it from him. But I almost your point about building a KJ Hamler package. I kind of feel like he's good enough to do that. A hundred percent, and he's fast enough to do that. Like. When he is healthy, he is arguably a top five speed guy in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so you pair that with the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, which is Russell right. Wilson. 
And you can imagine, like, man, KJ Hamler just has to be able to run straight all season. Like, they don't even need him to cut once. Just run straight, and Russ will throw it over the top. Um, So, if that, you know, if he can blossom in that way, he's absolutely the X factor that, like, we could be talking about at the end of the season. Like, no one predicted KJ Hamler to have 700 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, that's obviously the high, high end, but it's possible. Does he have value just as a gravity guy, like in that role? Like, even if you're, you, you're like, you want, can we count on him? Is it, can you count on him just to run deep and occupy one safety? Totally. And, that, and that's what I, like, that would be part of the KJ Hamler package. It's like, um, okay, so he's going to line up on the right side. Jerry's going to line up on the left. KJ is going to take the top off and Jerry's right. going to come, you know, all the way across underneath where that safety was. That's, you know, something that um, the, the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill so often so you know yeah. you can you can definitely use them as a decoy you can only get those plays then if you have a solid offensive line so you're talking about two battles on the offensive line is that a sign a good sign or is that a sign that maybe the offensive line's a little shaky it's really three the only two that i would say are fully locked are garrett Bowles at left tackle yeah. and lloyd cushionberry at center um but then beyond that like the guard positions are so up in the air because of the scheme change and that's where I'm like not as worried about it is it's like these coaches are coming in and they're saying well who of you fit the best for what we do and if you remember like you still have Graham Glasgow around who was supposed to be a big free agent signing at one point so it's like is it Reisner and um is it Reisner and uh Minert's like I would predict, or is it Moody in Glasgow? Like there's a bunch of combinations of players who you like, like, you, you know, I feel comfortable with those guys, some better in run blocking, some better in pass blocking. And that'll also be kind of telling us to what they're expecting to do with this offense based on who they choose. Interesting. And then your last point I love about the crowds. It's such an underrated thing, but you know, excitement for the Broncos had really waned over the last several years. I feel like there's a little jolt in the arm every single year. Last year, a little bit of a hot start. So you're like, okay, are we buying it? But this is completely different. Like we've, we've seen it obviously on our end. And I do wonder like, what's it going to be like down there? I mean, what's your kind of prediction? When was the last time you were there at like the Peyton years? How full was it? Do you kind of expect that same or even more at this point? What, what, what's your personal expectation? Yeah, the last time it was big was the year after the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> everyone still thought like, oh, this defense yeah. is good enough to keep winning. So, you know, hope was still eternal. Um, I expect it to be more than that. Uh, I expect it to be absolutely bonkers. I don't know, like, what the Broncos are going to allow in terms of attendance. I think they can get upwards of, like, 4,000 mm. in. And I think you get that every day, regardless, like Monday, Tuesday, and then the weekend ones I think are just going to be overflowing. So it's going to be exciting. I encourage people to bring lots of water and uh, if they let you bring in water, hopefully, and sunscreen, because there's absolutely no shade to be found (laughs) over there. He is RK over at DNVR Broncos. Get all of your Broncos latest news, notes, and analysis in the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks so much, RK. Thank you. All right, now to talk Colorado Rockies, everybody's favorite Colorado sports team. Uh, to help me do that, I've got Patrick Lyons from DNVR Rockies. Patrick, what's happening? Nothing much, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Rockies uh, play pretty well against the San Diego Padres recently. Got the Pittsburgh Pirates coming in this weekend, so we got that going on. They've been good against the Padres all year, haven't they? They've kind of owned them since last year, which is great. Because Take the that. Padres, 
Yeah, the Padres knocked the Rockies out of the postseason really in uh, 2019. Uh, really, yeah. really threw a wrench into the works, and so they're kind of repaying the favor now. Well, there you go. Um, I so we were just talking before we come online. I look at the wild card standings, and the Rockies are only you know only six games out of the wild card uh, at 41 and 49. I mean, is there, like, we're at the point of the season where we kind of like, all right, is this or is this not happening? It looks like it's not happening, but is it time to throw in the towel in your opinion, or is there still reason to say, Hey, they could have a little hot couple of weeks here and, and be right back in it. Yeah. That is an interesting, simple question, right? It seems like a simple question <laughs> that you're throwing out there and it, and in a way it is, but I know Rockies fans are looking at the standing saying they're, they're 10th, they're 10th in the national right, league. Right, and right. so maybe they're at the recording, uh, at the time of recording, they're only six games out from the final wild card. but even then you're only sneaking in. Are you acquiring players? Are you now giving up prospects right. that are going to make your future a little bit better, uh, just to maybe scratch away at a couple games, uh, in the wild card round. So that's really where, where things are at. And so you uh, frankly either need to shit or get off the pot. And I know a lot of Rockies fans would be more inclined to say, well, trade guys away. This season is over. It was a good try. It was a bummer. Chris Bryant missed 50 games. And that's kind of a, uh, the catalyst for maybe why things didn't go so well. Maybe they just weren't very good to begin with, but it it didn't work out here through, uh, you know, 90 some games. So call it and now improve your odds for possibly winning in 2023, 2024, 2025 by acquiring some prospects that could help you in the future. Who are the guys that you would look at to be traded away then if in that scenario? Well, they've got probably about five or six and about half of those guys, they don't want to trade for various reasons, but the ones that seem like we'll go through them. I want to hear why, why not? Well, historically, the Rockies have been reticent to just make trades in general. Last year, they traded a reliever before the trade deadline. That was the first time they had made a a trade or any concessions that their season hadn't worked out since 2012. Now, of course, in 17 and 18, they were going to the postseason, so they weren't going to trade players away. But you have some of the worst seasons in franchise history where they just left everybody where they were at. And owner Dick Monfort even got involved and said, no, don't trade that guy. And it Huh. And Rockies fans are very frustrated by And it that. didn't work out. I mean, I wonder if there's, I mean, it's, I'm putting on rose colored glasses here, but maybe there's a learning curve from our learning experience from that one. It's like, Hey, you do have to kind of plan long-term really. I think it's true across all sports, but especially in baseball, you kind of have to make a long-term plan. And it does seem to me like this does provide a nice summer to pivot. Yeah, there, there is that opportunity. There is that hope with uh, new general manager, Bill Schmidt. Right. Now, he was there last year as the interim GM. So you yeah. know, may not have had uh, the, the same uh, freedom to, to do what he might be able to do now. So there is that hope that maybe CJ Crone, you know, one of their best players yeah. who uh, was signed to a two-year extension before this offseason, you know, he's got one more year in purple, but it's only one more year. And are the Rockies yeah. really going to contend next year? Probably not. But the he could help. Want to hold on to him. He could help a playoff team. I mean, he could he he could help a team that's contending. Daniel Bard's another one of those players where he's he's up there in age, and they would like to bring him back because he really almost serves as a coach and a and a mentor and a mentor skills coach to uh, other relievers and pitchers and players on the team in general. But again, by not trading him, you are not bolstering your farm system, only to maybe improve a couple young relievers for the next couple of years. And are those young relievers even going to be around the next time that this team gets to the postseason? Whereas those prospects you trade them for could. 
uh, Jose Iglesias and Chad Cool would probably be the top two guys that uh, you might see in a trade. Alex Colomay is also going to be out there as well, but it seems like he might be destined for a stint on the injured list. So between those five guys, everyone seems to think they're going to move at least two, maybe not those two, uh, but but two players uh, of some variety will go out. And the Rockies really should have the freedom to be able to do that because all of the most notable players that fans are connected to are still going to be there. They invested $400 million this offseason in the roster, and all those guys will essentially be off limits. So you should be able to have the freedom to trade all the other guys, all those fringe pieces that aren't going to be here long and bring back some prospects to improve your club in the future. Is there anything that can happen in the next two and a half weeks? We're talking about a deadline that that's here in little little bit of over two and a half weeks. Is there anything that can happen that would change that calculus? Can if they get significantly worse or significantly better over this two and a half week stretch, would it change the way you think the team approaches the deadline? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I, I think if they are really bad or if they lose a lot more than they win, yeah. then that will make it easier for them to let okay. go of some of those guys. But if they continue to just kind of tread water and they're around 500 and, you know, they, they win three out of every seven. So they're three and four every week, you know, it's like, ah, oh, Hey, we're just sh- shy of, right, of 500. Right. Then that's not going to be enough to say, you know what, maybe we should trade away these guys. So it's going to almost have to take them losing a bunch of games here uh, against Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, then after the all-star break, they're in Milwaukee. Then they have the white Sox and Dodgers. It's going to take something like, you know, a really bad performance to make it that much easier yeah. to say, you know what, let's go ahead. Let's move away. Some of these players uh, to try to make tomorrow a little bit better. I'm personally, I think you've convinced me. I don't think you were trying to, but you've convinced me inadvertently to root for them to lose every game between now and then. I just, you know what, so I, I, I'm ready to take the long-term view with the Rockies um, and kind of follow them from a true start. And I, I, I don't feel like we're there. Um, all right. He is Patrick Lyons covering the Rockies over at the DNVR Rockies podcast. And obviously at the DNVR. Thanks so much, Patrick. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Adam. Crotch discomfort hurting your game? Fear no more. Manscaped, the kings of crotch comfort. They've spent the last two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Sleek, soft, comfortable, and flexible. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped. Take your balls to the Royal Ball Throne. That's right, the Royal Ball Throne. We all want to go there. The global leaders in below the the waist grooming have the Lawnmower 4.0 for the trimming. So now you can wear the Boxers 2.0 for the chillin'. They even trademarked the Jewel Pouch. I'm not kidding, on this read here, it says Jewel Pouch TM. So you know they're serious about this. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels. Let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping using our code DNVR at manscaped.com. All jokes aside, everybody, having a good pair of boxer briefs or boxers are so important uh, and they honestly take real they take it seriously making a pair of, of boxer briefs that are comfortable and elastic and have all these different things going for them so we all get a free pair and they're fantastic everybody knows this you have the go-to like when you open up the underwear drawer and you're like okay what day is it all right it was laundry day we got fresh laundry what's the first pair you're going to i'm telling you right now it's going to be those boxers 2.0 so check them out go to manscaped.com and use promo code dnvr to get 20 percent off and free shipping all right, we're going to round out today by talking about a little Colorado Rapids. And to help me do that, we got Yaya, a.k.a. Yahir, uh, from the DMVR Rapids podcast. Yahir, what's happening, homie? How you doing, man? I haven't seen you in a while. It's been all a renovations. I know, man. I haven't even – have you seen the bar? I've seen whatever Arcade's put up and shared, yeah. but I haven't seen it at all. 
Yeah, same, man. I'm so curious to see what it looks like. Um, the bar under renovations, the uh, Colorado Rapids kind of under renovations in that they keep losing people. Kind of explain what's I'm looking at the standings here. The Rapids way down at the bottom here. What's going on, man? It's it's disheartening for sure after being number one in the West for the first time in franchise history. Yeah. Um, but it's also what I always uh, what I've been saying on the Rapids pod that it's kind of a social experiment. Last year was what would the Rapids look like if everything went right? There was no injury <laughs> issues, and they they got every bounce go their way, and they were number one in the West. This year it's like okay, now let's see what the Rapids are if everything goes against them right. from bounces going the wrong way, Not mental mistakes. Yeah. yeah, it's like and they're one of the worst teams on the West. Okay, so. I think there has to be a, a little bit of regression with luck. There has to be a median here. Uh, they've lost their captain for a lot of the season in Jack Price. He's been injured. He controls that midfield. And they've also lost some key pieces like Cole Bassett mm. and um, Kellen Acosta. And even Mark Anthony Kay, who was only around for a year, but he just left to Toronto. So that midfield has been in flux, which is what controls the game for the most part. And it also doesn't help that their DP striker started hasn't been performing to the level he should, while their other striker has. But since the other guy has a higher ranking contract-wise, he gets the nod over huh. over the guy that's been performing better. So, Is there hope for there to be a bit of a turnaround? I mean, are we, we're still in the early days here, midpoint of the season, roughly? Like, is there still hope that this can, the ship can be righted? Oh, definitely. I, uh, there's a lot of... Um, Op, I, there's a lot of optimism within, within me and the Rap, Rapids fans are a little bit uh, more down on the team. But I do think that the last couple of games, uh, all year, they hadn't been able to come back and even tie the game. Uh, it's been two uh, weeks in a row, two games in a row now that they've been down 2-0 and 1-0 and come out with a draw. Uh, they should have probably been wins, uh, to be honest with you, because they outplayed the other team. But they're starting to show that mental grit that defined them last year. Okay. And I think there's a lot of hope for sure. There's in soccer, every every win is worth three points, and every tie and every draw and tie is worth a point. So I think they're only six points or seven points behind uh, the seventh spot in the West, which is the last playoff spot. I think so. So I two wins. All it takes is two wins and a, maybe a collapse from one of the teams in the playoff spots for them to reach the playoffs. And once they're in there. It's off at the MLS is super fluky when it comes to to the playoffs. Last year we had two four seats going at it in the final. So, what? How much of the season is left? Like, where where are we at? About the midway point. There's like yeah, so like we're right about the midway point. There's um, I think twelve, thirteen games left, which is right in the middle. So they kind of uh, have to perform like a top three team in the West over the back half to kind of make up for being a bottom three team over the first half. Yeah, for sure. They really do have to step it up. They have to start fighting the uh, rhythm. And you can start seeing a little by little how they've been playing. Uh, they've missed some key opportunities when uh, in scoring chances. Oh. But they're definitely starting to pick it up. They're starting to finish. They're starting to communicate a lot better. They're high side of the mental grit. It's kind of coming back slowly. And they have a great coach who I thought should have won coach of the year or at least been a top three candidate last year. Oh, well, there you go. What are the upcoming games? Anything right on the horizon for, for the Rapids? So this sun this Saturday they uh, which is tomorrow they get to play LA Galaxy they have a six uh, seven match unbeaten streak against them five wins and two ties uh, so something has to give either they have to get a win or yeah. 
Well, it's probably going to be a tie, but uh, and then after that, they and that's faced, one of the uh, teams, by the way, that's ahead of them in the standing. It's like a team they're competing with for this this playoff spot. Yeah, but the one thing about uh, LA, they're in like extremely similar spot as the Rapids. Uh, there's a stat in the MLS which is expected goals, so it's just how many chances you create and how many goals you should have made. Uh, you should have had throughout the game, and they're one. The Rapids are one of the highest teams that just don't finish their chances. <laughs> Well, LA Galaxy is the second highest right behind them. Okay. All right. So there, something has to give you. There's going to be one of the most exciting scoreless games you've ever seen, or the Rapids might come out and just blow them out. Well, there you go. That seems like a big one. Yeah. And when is that When is that game? This Saturday. So okay. it should be July 16th. All right, this Saturday, big game for the for the Colorado Rapids. Yeah, here. Thank you so much for joining us. He is yeah here. He is on the DMVR Rapids podcast. You can check him out with post game shows and everything else. Thanks, you here. Thanks for having me on, Adam. So that does it for your news around Denver sports. Hopefully, that gave you a little bite size overview, skin deep overview of what's going on with the major teams. As I mentioned, we're entering the the deadest two weeks of the sports calendar year. We still got baseball going on. We got some golf stuff going on. But Broncos, Avs, Nuggets, all kind of either right at the end of their offseason or at the very beginning of their offseason. But that only lasts for a couple weeks. Come August, Broncos are in training camp and this town is going to come alive. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit subscribe button on the Denver Sports Podcast. We do it different every single week, hopefully keeping it fresh and having some great conversations. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star rating and review, if you leave four stars, what are you doing? You're doing your life wrong. Five-star rating and review. Maybe say something nice about DNVR if you feel so inclined. Have a great weekend, everybody.